Smartcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, and welcome to Deep Leadership. I'm your host, John Rennie. Well, I hope all is well with you today and you are enjoying this holiday season. This is another sunny Sunday afternoon here in North Carolina, and this episode is brought to you by our sponsor, Jeremy Clevenger Fitness, who we featured on episode 145. If you haven't heard that episode yet, I encourage you to go back and take a listen, especially if you are struggling to get and stay in shape as a busy leader. I have another great show lined up for you today, but before we get started, I just want to remind you to take a look at the leadership books on my website. I've written three leadership books, and I recommend you start with I Have the Watch first. It's filled with 22 short stories that will help you become a leader worth following. It's a quick read, and most people finish it in less than three hours. It's also available on Kindle and Audible, so you can listen in your car or while working out. So check out all my books either on Amazon or my website, johnsrenny.com. Also, I just wanted to mention that Deep Leadership had just moved up and is ranked in the top 2% most popular shows out of 3 million podcasts globally, according to Listen Score. I wanted to thank each and every one of you for listening in every week and sharing these episodes with your friends. You have helped this podcast grow into a top-performing show, so, so thank you very much. Well, that is it. Today, we're going to be talking about building a breakthrough leadership team. My guest is Mike Goldman. He is the author of Breakthrough Leadership Team, Strengthening the Heart and Soul of Your Company. Mark helps us understand that if you want to build a great company, you can't do it alone. You need to build a team that will help you break through to the next level. So are you ready to dive in? Let's get started. Welcome to Deep Leadership. Leadership is a people business. That's the philosophy of your podcast host, John Rennie. As a former Cold War submarine officer who spent 20 plus years leading businesses in corporate America before starting his own manufacturing business, he knows that leadership matters. Leadership matters. Are you ready for some real world actionable advice from John as well as his expert guests? I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. The show starts right now. Welcome to the Deep Leadership Podcast. Today I'm joined by Mike Goldman. Mike is a nationally recognized speaker, best-selling author, and leadership team coach. He is the founder of Performance Breakthrough, where he helps mid-sized companies achieve dramatic business growth by ensuring they have the right people, strategy, and execution habits. In his latest book, Breakthrough Leadership Team, Strengthen the Heart and Soul of Your Company, Mike shows readers the importance of building a breakthrough leadership team. I'm excited to have him on the show to learn from his experience. So, Mike, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me, John. Yeah, it's good to have you. Good to meet you. And I'm really excited about this topic because I think it's one where we can all learn something uh, to help us get to that next level in our business. So let's get started with, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and then how you got started as a leadership team coach? Yeah, I'll, I'll take a, I've, I've been at this about 35 years, so I'll take a long story and, and make sure to make it short. Uh, but I spent the first half of my career uh, working for big management consulting, 
companies, Accenture, if you've heard of them, but before they were called Accenture, so it was a long time ago, late 80s, early early 90s. Uh, Deloitte was another one. So first half of my career was management consulting, uh, working for somebody else, but my clients were all big Fortune 500 companies. Uh, Went from there, decided at about 40 years old uh, that I needed to take a shot in life and do something I really wanted to do. So I started my first business which was a uh, staffing and recruiting firm. It was a franchise, miserable failure of a business, uh, put me in deep financial trouble for a while. But that's what really set me on the way to kind of get back to my consulting roots, but become a coach, which I think is very different. Uh, became a coach about 15 years ago, started off with uh, leadership development programs, that kind of stuff, but morphed pretty quickly into what I call leadership team coaching, coaching where where I'm kind of at the right hand of the CEO working with their leadership team to do their uh, you know planning around around strategy, around people, around execution. and uh, it's been a it's been an interesting and and fun ride. Excellent. Excellent. I like what you said there, you know, your first, try at, at being an entrepreneur, you, you, you had a failure, you know, and I think we talked to a lot of entrepreneurs on this podcast and, you know, everyone seems to think that uh, being, an, you know, we all get excited about the overnight success, but the truth of the matter is this is a difficult journey that you go down and, and those failures are actually learning tools, right? And I'm sure that, you know, that you learned a lot through that experience that you brought into the new business, I'm sure. I did. And it's interesting because I tell people that if I knew way back in, what was it, 2004, when I started my first business, if I knew then how hard it was going to be, all the struggles, financially, mentally, everything else, I never would have done it. Yeah. yeah. But knowing what I know now, it was even with that failing business, it was the best decision I ever made in my life. Yeah. Yeah. I feel the same way too. It's, it's, it's been, very difficult. And there's been a lot of sleepless nights, but I would have never, I've, it's the best thing I've ever done. So yeah, absolutely. That's good to hear that. So um, one of the things that that stood out for me right away, you say your life purpose is to impact as many people as you can to feel more fulfilled with their business and work. Now this is, that's powerful. Why is this such a driving force for you? It, it started for me, you know, way back uh, when I was, you know, a much a much younger man, my grandfather, uh, Pop, Papa Archie was his name. Um, he was the best man I ever knew. And he worked, he, he worked his whole life, blue collar guy, you know, not a financial success or anything, but, you know, uh, just worked really hard his whole life. When he was in his early 80s, he was driving a cab. He was incredibly proud guy, always you know, fire in his belly, gleam in his eye, you know, wonderful guy. And um, he probably shouldn't have been driving a cab in his early 80s. <laughs> Couldn't see very well, got into a few accidents, got fired from the cab company. So he was forced to retire and he was 83. And I remember that day when he was fired because I feel like that was the last day I ever really saw my grandfather. Mm-hmm. He lived another three years but he wasn't pop. He just was kind of waiting to die at that point. And I see so much of that where people spend their lives working, some people in in jobs they hate, and waiting for that day they retire. And then they retire, they're bored, they have a heart attack, they're gone. And I look, I'm like, 
why the heck should anyone spend their life with a goal of retiring? Mm. Like that sounds so sad to me. So what I learned from seeing that in my grandfather, what happened to him when he retired is, man, I don't ever want to retire. And I don't look at that as a bad thing. I'll slow down. I'll change what I'm doing. But I believe everybody ought to have a chance to feel fulfilled by what they're doing and, you know, do it as long as they possibly could. Mm, that's great. Now, I love to hear that. And uh, and I, I, I agree with you. It's, if you're not enjoying life today <laughs> and you're, 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 you're worried, you're thinking about the future, well, it's going to be better when, right? And I think there's too many people living like that. If I just get through this month or this year, if I just get to the next promotion, if I just get to retirement, then then I can enjoy my life. And I think right. that's not a good way to live your life is, 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 you know, the hope of a future where, like you say, often people retire and they're, and they die soon after that. And, you know, why, why wait, you know? So I think yeah, that's lo- Love the journey, love the journey. Yeah, enjoy don't, the journey. Don't yeah. wait until you get, and by the way, if you think I'll be happy when I reach a goal, what happens when you get close to reaching that goal? You yeah. raise the bar. Always. Yeah. And that's good. That's not a bad thing. Right, right. But just don't use that as a measure of happiness, you know, find a way to be happy every day. Yeah. I like that. I like that a lot. So, um, just talk to us a little bit about your business, uh, Performance Breakthrough. Why do companies call you? What are they trying to solve? And how do, how do you help them? Companies call me. And when I say companies, it's really the CEO of a company. Uh, CEOs call me because they're overwhelmed mm. and they're stuck. They're overwhelmed because it's hard leading a company and and everything involved they're overwhelmed because they don't have the right people around them they're overwhelmed because they they get advice coming from every book and every podcast and every smart consultant <laughs> and coach and trainer uh so they call me because they are they're not yet burnt out uh but the danger is there mm. so so i get two types of phone calls one is kind of the the desperation phone call which is, you know, hey, I'm at a loss. I don't know what else to do. My buddy told me you helped him. How could you help me and my team? They want to grow. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's the desperation phone call. And then I especially love more the, I guess I call the inspiration phone call, which is they're nowhere near burnout. They're loving it. But they've just kind of hit, they've grown, but they're afraid they're about to hit a ceiling or they've hit a ceiling and they know there's more there and they want some help. And that's why they call me. So they they call me because they want to grow their business. And and that's that's why they hire me. But you know, I'm kind of a sneaky guy. And what I don't tell them necessarily up front is uh, what I really help them do is build a great leadership team. Mm. Because I know you can't have a great company without a great leadership team. So that's really my focus. Absolutely, I help companies grow. But it's really about helping them create a great leadership team so that that leadership team could affect growth, impact, great environment, all the things you want out of a business. That's exciting. And I can't wait to get into it when we talk about the book that you've got out here. But uh, just just, you know, thinking through this, you know, as a business owner myself, what are some of the obstacles to growth that you that you hear from business leaders? Yeah, number one is, although a business leader wouldn't necessarily say this, is 
there's no real operating system for growth. You know, we tried this, we tried this, we're going to try that, we're going to try this, but there is no framework for here's how we're going to build the right team. Here's how we're going to build the right strategy. Here's how we're going to build the right culture. Here's how we're going to execute with discipline. It's just, we're going to work real hard and try a lot of things. So I think the the one of the biggest obstacles is lack of a framework. And that lack of a framework kind of drives two other obstacles. One is the wrong people or or sometimes the right people in the wrong structure. And then lastly, which I kind of mentioned when CEOs call me out of desperation, is all that leads to overwhelm and, and burnout and CEOs and, and senior leaders sometimes lose they lose that fire, they lose that passion, they lose the love of their business. And as soon as you lose the love of your business, man, it, it starts to die pretty quickly. Mm. Yeah, I know as, you know, and entering in my seventh year now, I know it, it's a different, when you're starting a business, there's a, you know, it's like a, it's like a rocket launching, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's all fire, it's exciting, it's brand new. Uh, but at some point, like you say, the, if you don't get a second boost, if you don't have a second focus, you can, you can die, right? You can, that, that, that rocket can start, you know, propelling down towards earth, but you almost need like a, a different set of thinking for the growth phase. It's, it's like, I started this thing. I got it built. We've got all the systems. We have customers, we have orders, we have things, everything works now. That's hard. That's hard to do. Right. And that takes a lot out of you. And then, then they say, okay, now we want to grow. Well, that's a whole nother skill set, right? It's a whole nother, maybe a different group of people as well, too, to take you from what it took to get you here to get you, you know, to the next level, right? Absolutely. And that's a hard thing, right? Especially when, and, and by the way, that doesn't happen once. It's not, okay, I got it started. Now what do I need to do, do to grow? <laughs> it's kind of like, I got it started. Here's what it takes to get to a million in revenue. Yeah. Take something very different to get to 5 million in revenue. Man, you got to change who you are to get to 20 million in revenue. There are these steps along the way that, by the way, if you keep growing, never stop. And sometimes the hardest part to go back to something you mentioned is the folks that got you here may not get you there. Mm. And they may be wonderful people. They may be very loyal. Uh, but sometimes that great, controller is not who you need in a CFO. Right. You know, and that that great salesperson is not your head of sales and and you know, sometimes you got to make some real tough decisions as, as you're growing. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense and it's true and I've seen it in my journey as well. Um so in your latest book um Breakthrough Leadership Team and we're going to talk about that cuz I think there's a lot of a lot of great things in this book that we all need to take away as business leaders but you start off with self-leadership, and I'm just curious about that because, you know, you're talking in this book about, you know, a break, building this breakthrough leadership team, a team that will take you to the next level, yet you start out with self-leadership. Why is that? You can't build a great team. You can't even be part of a great team if you can't lead yourself. And, and that's why even in, in my practice where you know, my model is I work, I do these two-day quarterly planning sessions with the leadership team, the CEO and direct reports. In addition to that, I always coach the CEO one-on-one. -on -one. And if the CEO isn't willing to do that coaching, I won't work with the team mm -hmm. because I know that 
if the CEO isn't growing and scaling, the team's not going to grow and scale. The company's not going to grow and scale. And it's the same thing with the VP of sales. If they're not scaling and growing, their team isn't scaling and growing. So, so it's got to start with self-leadership because if it doesn't, it's real easy to blame every problem on what's going on out there versus mm. being able to deal with it in a stronger way internally. Mm. Yeah, I know. I, I I see what you're saying. And I, I was just thinking to myself and leaders I've worked with over the years is that there's some have a fixed mindset and some have a growth mindset. And that fixed mindset is I know everything I need to know and everyone just needs to follow what I have to say and things will be great. But those that have a growth mindset have the humility to say, you know what, maybe I don't understand or, or know everything. I've got to seek out the the, the, the brightest minds, the, the smartest people. I got to find, I, I know where my weak spots are. I know where I need to strengthen them up. I knew where I need to grow. So to me, it's almost like if you want to grow your business, you have to have a growth mindset as well. You can't have this fixed mindset is, is, is the way I think of it. Yeah. I mean, part of one of the, the major pieces of self-leadership is coachability. Mm. And which you've got to have that growth mindset to your point. I've got Carol Dweck's book behind me somewhere about growth mindset, but it's one of the little tests I do without, without a prospective CEO, no, knowing it's a test. I will want to find out about the books they're reading. Mm. Uh, I will ask them, they'll complain about their team for 20 minutes (laughs) and I'll say, okay, where do you need to be a better leader? Where do you need to improve? And if my sense is, they're going to blame the problems of the world on everybody else, and they're not coachable, then uh, I will very nicely end that phone call kind of quickly and move on to the next fun piece of work because they're not going to be a good client. Yeah, that does make a lot of sense. Makes a lot of sense. So uh, in this book, this new book, or it's not, it's, it's out, been out for a couple of years. A couple of years. But it's, yeah, but it's, but it's relatively new, the way I think of it. So Breakthrough Leadership Team, you say that... Um, to become the leader of a growing profitable business that positively impacts the lives of employees and customers, it takes more than just leveling up your capabilities as a leader. It takes building a breakthrough leadership team. It takes building that team that will take you to the next level. Why is that? What Explain that. Pretty simply, you know, what I've learned over the last 35 years is as the leadership team goes, so goes the company. Mm. You're not going to have a great company with a bad leadership team. Mm. And if you've got a company that's having real problems, if they've got a great leadership team, they'll figure out a way through it. And by the way, A players don't like working for B players. So Mm. if you've got mediocre folks on the leadership team, good luck having superstars that work for them. That's not going to last very long. So to build a great company, you need a great leadership team. And and as the leader, as the the, the CEO, the entrepreneur, I've seen so much of of those folks trying to just kind of white knuckle it. You know, if I work hard enough, if I grab the wheel long enough and hold on to it tight enough, I'll get where I need to go. And you just, you're just not going to do it without the right people around you. So, so I realized that, you know, of all the ways to help build a great company, the biggest impact I could have is by helping these CEOs make sure they're creating a great leadership team, which is what I call a breakthrough leadership team. I love that. And I love that in the book, you say, this isn't a leadership book. Which is which I love. It's a leadership book that isn't a leadership book. It's about building this leadership team, as you say, the breakthrough leadership team. So how, 
what does a, a great leadership team, a breakthrough leadership team look like? I'll take it from two perspectives. One is uh, th there are six pillars that I believe you need to master to have a breakthrough leadership team. So I'll kind of hit the six pillars and then very quickly, it's kind of what results do you need to look for, which is a little bit of a different perspective, but very quickly, and we can drill into any of these, John, mm -hmm. you want, but the six pillars, number one, you already said it is self-leadership. Number two is proactively structuring the leadership team, not just hiring a bunch of good people, but understanding how to structure it in the right way. Number three is finding the right people. For the leadership team, potential superstars, A players. Number four is building a resilient culture. Number five is executing with discipline and accountability. And the number six thing breakthrough leadership teams need to do is they need to continue to develop and improve. They need to assess their talent. They need to develop their talent, coach their talent, and sometimes make the hard decisions to cut the cord, you know, on some of their talent. So, so a, a breakthrough leadership team has mastered those six things and continues to, to develop and improve because you never wake up one morning and say, ah, I've now got a breakthrough leadership team. It's an endless process and things need to change as your business changes, as your business grows. But from a result standpoint, which is probably the more important way to look at it, if you've got a breakthrough leadership team, you have got consistent top and bottom line growth. You have built a growing, fulfilling work environment for your team, and you're adding real value to society. Society could be your clients, society could be your community, the world. But if you're not doing any one of those things, if you're not growing top bottom line, you're not building that fulfilling work environment, you're not adding real value, something's wrong. Mm. And, and my hypothesis is, when something is wrong, the first place to go is not, you know, let's fix how we're answering the phones or let's fix, you know, let's make sure our sales process is perfect. It goes back to let's let's take a look at the leadership team and, and where do we have work to do on the leadership team? We'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. Leadership skills are like any other skills. You need to practice them to get better at them. Best-selling leadership author John S. Rennie knows this. That's why he's written a new book called You Have the Watch. It's a guided journal for leaders designed to take you through an entire year of leadership training. By the end of the year, you will master 50 of the most important leadership skills. If you want to have a greater impact on the results and people in your organization, go to youhavethewatch.com and pick up your copy today. This podcast is brought to you by Jeremy Clevenger Fitness. As a high-performing leader, you know that leadership isn't about telling people what to do. It's about leading by example. And for most people, the one area they are lacking when it comes to leading by example is their health and fitness. By improving your health and fitness, every other area of your life improves. But how do you get and stay fit as a busy leader? Well, you do what you've always done. You hire the best person for the job. Now, don't struggle on your own. Put Jeremy Clevenger on your team. Jeremy will work with you to help take your physique, mindset, nutritional habits, and more to the next level with his step-by-step, all-inclusive coaching program. Now, I've worked with Jeremy for the past year, and I'm in the best shape of my life. So if you want to step up your game, reach out to Jeremy at jeremyclevengerfitness.com to find out more and get your initial consultation scheduled with him today. 
This episode is brought to you by the Fraternity of Excellence. The Fraternity of Excellence is an online and real-world community for men who are looking to improve in all areas of their lives. The men of FOE are working together to become better husbands, fathers, and leaders at work and in their communities. They live by a simple philosophy, as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. Now, I've been a member for more than three years, and for me, I finally found a brotherhood of men that I was missing from my time in the military. Now, I love being around guys who are dedicated to becoming a better version of themselves. So if you're interested in becoming a man of excellence as well, go to fraternityofexcellence.com, or you can reach out directly to me to learn more. So each of my department heads are my leadership team. But but there's something important on that, the end of that word, and that's team. And so we had a guest that a few weeks back that said, a lot of times we just have a group of people that are department heads, and they're not necessarily a team. And so part of this job of building a, you know, a strong leadership team is the fact that they are a team and they function as a team, even though they may, they may be your department heads they are still, you know, they have to become a team as well, which which means that the department isn't the, the most important thing. The business is the most important thing. Is that something that you talk about or uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a great insight. One of the things I do, not only day one, but within the first 20 minutes of working with a new client is I have a set of ground rules that I use for, for our time together. And and the ground rules are, aren't as important to, to get to the heart of your point. But what is important is I say, when, when we follow these ground rules, this leadership team, not your sales team, not your finance team, not your marketing team, this leadership team becomes your number one team. Mm. This leadership team gets your loyalty. Because otherwise you wind up creating these silos that we've all right. seen in business. And, and I've seen not only small, I mean, I've seen 50, $60 million companies, you know, decent sized companies that don't have a leadership team. Hmm. They have a bunch of folks that report into the CEO right. and the CEO tells them what to do, but there's no real sense of team loyalty towards the team. I'm going to sacrifice what I'm doing in sales to help you in marketing. I'm going to sacrifice what we're doing in service to help you in sales. No, it's it's individual teams trying to optimize what they're doing. Their heart's in the right place, but it's not a team. And you're not going to get where you want to go that way. Mm, yeah, that makes that makes a lot of sense. And I saw that a lot in my corporate life where we had silos and we had people protecting their departments, but we weren't working as a team towards a, uh, an organizational goal. So there was a lot of infighting in, in that organ in, in those in those situations. And it's not good. It's not healthy and it doesn't help. It doesn't help grow the business. So if you're fighting amongst yourself, you're not working on growth. Right. If the enemy's inside the four walls, you're not growing. You're not fighting the enemies outside the four walls. Yeah. And think about if the VP of sales and the VP of service are, 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 are going at it, they don't trust each other, they don't get along. That never gets better as you cascade down through the organization. No, that's exactly that's right. only going to get worse. worse. Yeah, it gets worse. Absolutely. What I saw as well. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned structure. I was just curious. What, um, you know, how do we structure the team? And then what, what's the first step? If we're starting to think about how do we structure our, our leadership team, where, where do we take that first step? The first step that, 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 that folks ought to take, the first step I take with my clients is very simply to create something called a functional accountability chart. 
And I'll describe it. It's blindingly simple, but it's always incredibly impactful. And there are always major issues that come out of it, which are important to solve. But it's very simply saying, let's agree on what are our 10, 12, 14 functions within the business, not titles. So it's not CEO, it's head of company. It's marketing, it's sales, it's technology, it's, you know, and there are nuances for different businesses, but it's pretty typical for for most business, not going to be that different, but what are the functions and who's the one person accountable Mm. for each of those functions? And I stress accountability is always in only one person. Responsibility could be a thousand. Accountability is always in only one person. And and just by doing that, I've been in a situation where I say, okay, okay, folks, who's the head of the company? And three people raise their hand because there are three partners. Oh, yeah. And they think that's fine. But I look at the, I'm like, so how many times is it, you know, I, I asked mommy, she said no. So I'm going to ask daddy. That's daddy it. said no. Yeah, that's so, it. you know, what, so that in and of itself saying saying who's the one person accountable and understanding who's stretched too thin because they're accountable for six different functions mm-hmm. right where do we have a function that nobody's accountable for how are we measuring success of each function right is marketing successful because we have a pretty website mm-hmm. i hope not i hope it's more about the number of marketing qualified leads coming into sales or something like that. So so it starts out with that functional accountability chart, which is kind of a snapshot of where do we have opportunities to improve things now? Where are we now? But then the next step is to do what I call a 12-quarter leadership team plan. Now, some companies are, let's say, we can't do 12 quarters. Start with four quarters, move to eight quarters. But it's a matter of taking your you know, a plan for your business and not just, not just P&L, but some of the non-financials, like as we grow three quarters from now, how many new clients do we need to bring on board? How many new products do we need to create? How many products do we need to ship? Ship? How many projects will we be doing? Some of the non-financials that help guide what your organization is going to need to look like. How many employees will you have? And what that allows you to do is to, instead of saying, oh my God, we're at 75 people, half of them want to quit, morale is horrible, I think maybe we need a head of HR, (laughs) is is being proactive and saying, you know what, three quarters from now, our projection is to be at 75 people. I think at that point, we may need a head of talent management. Let's start grooming somebody internally or looking now. You know, five quarters from now, we need, if you look at it, we need to bring on 30 new clients a quarter. Mm. As head of company, I can't also be the head of sales anymore. We need to hire a head of sales. So it allows you to be proactive. And that's, that's key. I, what, I, what I like about what you're saying is that you are taking a look at, you know, your, your best you know, as you know, the forecasting, the longer it goes out, the more, the less accurate it is. But your best guess is as to what the future looks like and everybody gaining an understanding of what some of those critical um, milestones are going to be. Like, okay, when we get to this many people, we probably need to have a head of talent management. As we grow to this many 
you know, territories that we're selling into, we might have to add another regional salesperson over here. So everybody's on board with this idea that this is sort of the general plan of where we're going, right? So what I like about it is that there's no surprises, right? Like, like, you know, and, and, and as a leader, I think it helps you because you don't, because sometimes you have those voices like, oh, we got to hire a talent manager. We got to do that right now. And you're like, wait a second, we, we've talked about this. We have a plan and we're not quite right. to the threshold that we said. So it gives you a chance to say, as a leader, it gives you a little peace of mind knowing that, yes, we do need to do that, but we're really not to that point yet. And so everybody sort of, it, 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 I would say, I would think that it prevents a lot of infighting and argument and bickering about like what the plan is if you've already have sort of a roadmap going forward. It, it does. It also makes you much better at planning because yeah. let's be honest, the first time you do a 12 quarter leadership team plan, is it going to be accurate? Yeah. No. And there's two parts to it. What's the plan? And also what you think the trigger is for when you need a head of sales or when you need a mm -hmm. head of HR or whatever. You may be wrong on those triggers as well, but if you're doing this quarterly and kind of keeping a rolling, even if it's a rolling four quarters and not 12 quarters, it's better than nothing. If you've got that rolling plan, you're you're going to get much smarter as you move forward, much better at planning, much better at executing to that plan. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, the more you do it, the more you practice it, the better you're going to get at it. So that makes a lot of sense. You mentioned something, and I've just wanted to give you a chance to explain that. How do we get our teams to execute with discipline and accountability? Like, I love hearing that as a former military guy, right? I love hearing that. So, but how do we do it in, in a world where, you know, commitments are, are loose, I would say. We don't, uh, accountability is loose, discipline's loose. How do we do that in a business? There, there are three disciplines that, that companies really need to master. The first one is aligning around a small number of priorities, right? I say to a, when I'm talking to a prospective CEO, I'll say, you know, what are your top priorities for the year? And they'll list out 12 things. <laughs> no, that's not going to work. Top 12. <laughs> um, you know, tell me how many people remember what those are, or do they have another set of right. 12? So, so aligning around a small number, two, three, four priorities for the year, for the quarter, where everybody's really focused. So that's discipline number one, aligning around, around a small number of priorities. Discipline number two is measuring what matters. What are the key performance indicators we're, we're using? How do we measure success? I want to see a scorecard with red, yellow, green, right? Green is success. Yeah, yeah. Red is red is failure. Yellow is we're in the danger zone. So it's about aligning around priorities, number one, coming up with those important measures, number two. And then the third, which is so important to keep everyone truly accountable to that, is a consistent planning and communication rhythm. Mm. Annual planning, quarterly planning, monthly planning and, and, and education, weekly accountability meetings, daily huddles. You can do the first two. You can have priorities. You can have measures. But if you're never getting together as a team to hold people accountable for it, you're, you know, the, the, those great plans are gathering dust. You need the right planning and communication rhythm so that not only the CEO could hold everybody accountable, but remember this concept of the number one team, so each team member holds each other accountable. Man, I love that. It's so powerful. And I 
think through my career, the times we were most successful was when we had a clear plan, we had clear KPIs, and we had regular uh, meetings where we where we discussed the performance. And you know, I remember stand up meetings. You know, my first factory I ran, we had a giant board, you know, a giant whiteboard, and we each team team leader had to say, what, you know, what was their, you know, did they hit the goals for the day? And so there there was a high level of accountability because you didn't want to come to that meeting with bad news. And it, and we always said if you did then you just have to talk about what what happened and what you're going to do about it. And I think it wasn't that we wanted to beat you up, but we all wanted as a team, we wanted to hold each other accountable because we knew where we knew we needed each other to get to that goal that we were trying to get to as a team. Yeah. What tends to happen is when things get tough, when COVID hits, when recession happens, when, you know, you name it, when things get tough, discipline goes out the window. Mm. Oh, we don't have time for that meeting. We've got to we've got to dive in and and you know solve this problem that we've got. And man, when times get tough, that's when the discipline is more important. For a lot of my clients, when COVID hit, we went from weekly accountability meetings to to two or three times a week. Now they were shorter, but we needed more communication, more discipline, mm. not less, because there was a problem. Yeah. Oh, I took it. I look at it at a military standpoint. You know, we. When we stood normal watches, it was it was pretty laid back. But when we went to battle stations, it was very rapid fire. We very disciplined, very focused on exactly what the what we had to do. Everybody had their roles. It was very clear. But it was much the the level of uh, accountability and um, discipline went up, not down. When things got bad, yeah, I heard a, an interview with with the Dalai Lama years ago, where someone said, you know, how many how many minutes a day do you meditate? And he said, oh, I meditate for an hour a day. And they said, well, what about when you're really busy, when you're on a book tour, when things are a little chaotic, you don't have a lot of time. How much time do you meditate on those, on those days? He said, oh, those days I meditate for two hours. <laughs> That's a great lesson. I love that. That's great. Well, this has been a great conversation. I know we just scratched the surface, and but I do want leaders, as you're listening in here and you're thinking about your business, uh, I think this is a really important subject that we're diving into, this idea of a leadership team. Who, who is your team? Who do you have on that team? Are they have? Do they have the skills and talent to take you to the next level? Uh, this book, uh, Breakthrough Leadership Team has all the details in it. So if this is, you know, if you're getting curious about this as we talk about it, I, I recommend you go out there, get the book, read the book, and learn how to put this in uh, into place. So, Mike, how can people find out more about you, uh, your books? You have another book as well, your your two books, and uh, your company and what you do. Yeah, the, the the books are on Amazon. So Breakthrough Leadership Team, of course, is on Amazon. Um, they, if they want to, people want to follow me on social media, uh, Instagram may be a great place. And it, it's just uh, Mike Goldman Coach on Instagram. And I'll also offer up, you know, one of the things we didn't talk that much about is the, the importance of assessing the talent on your team, yeah. developing, coaching yeah. the talent on your team. I have a, a a video course. It's a free video course for four videos. And if people go to mike-goldman.com slash limitless, they'll get access to uh, to that course. And it'll teach them how to how you figure out who your A, B, and C players are and what we call, what I call toxic C players, how to coach them, how to develop them, how to make the tough decisions. So uh, that could be a uh, great, great value for you. And, and it's a free resource. 
Oh, that's fantastic. Well, what we'll do is we'll put links in the show notes for, for those resources. And again, leaders, I really encourage you to take a look at all the resources that Mike has. He has a number of free resources on his website. Go take advantage of it. You want to be better as a leader. These are free resources that you can go grab. You can learn. And the book is will be extremely helpful in you, you know, creating that team that's going to help you take your company, your organization, your department to the next level. So Mike, Thanks for coming on the show and sharing all this wisdom. I, I really think this is an important subject, and I'm glad we were able to cover it today. John, thank you. It was great. Thanks again. Well, that's it for today. Thank you for listening to Deep Leadership. If you like this podcast, please subscribe and share so we can continue to build a world with better bosses. Until next time, this is John Rennie saying, take care and lead well. Thank you for listening to Deep Leadership. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you for all you do. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. For more information and updates, please visit our website at www.deepleadershippodcast.com or johnsrenny.com. Until next time, take care. Hey, it's Tim from 50 Years of Music with 50-Year-Old White Guys, the comedy podcast you had no idea you needed. Join Ben, Jeff, and me as we continue our musical road trip back through the years and around the globe. See, just when you thought all white guys were like Joe Rogan, you come across three educators trying to remember when we were cool. 50 Years of Music with 50-Year-Old White Guys. Electric ass. Miles, are you ready to record our promo for Season 2 of the Wannabet Podcast? David, have you ever seen a grown man naked? Miles, we're not here to quote lines from Airplane. We're here to tell people that Season 2 starts August 18th. But I like Airplane. I know you do, but Wannabet is a sports betting podcast. Each week we bet $1,000 on the NFL teams and games that we love. Well, that sounds like fun. It is fun. And last year you picked over 60% of your games correctly. How'd you do? We're not talking about that. We are telling people that they can find us every Friday. No more movie quotes. Roger, Roger. Electric acid.